This is Sid Roth saying, Shalom Mishpacha. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpacha, the family with a Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with one of our It's Supernatural guests. And now, here's your host for this program, It's Supernatural television producer, Ryan Bruss. Thank you, Sid. Today on Messianic Vision, our guest is James Durham. And James, you've been a guest with us many times, and you're a close friend of the ministry. And we love you very much. We're glad you're with us. And uh, you have a very unique book uh, that just came out, A Prepper's Guide to the Last Days. And uh, there's a lot of talk on, on TV and the news and media and social media about prepping. And your book is about prepping but it's about supernatural prepping. That's correct. I kind of got this assignment from the Lord to do the book in an unusual way, and um, I was a little hesitant to do it. And then the Lord started giving me a series of visions to make it clear to me that I was supposed to write this book. I just did not want to write a book uh, based on fear or uh, about um, how to stock up your... uh, storehouse and how to arm yourself and all those kinds of things, because there are enough uh, materials and books about that, and I don't want to just add to the stack of those. So I asked the Lord to kind of give me a unique perspective on this, and what I received from the Lord through the visions was that what He's actually doing is He's loving us. Oh, that's good. He's preparing us, and He's going to be there to support us and take care of us. So the basis of this is not fear, but faith. And to believe that Jesus, as always, is going to be there watching out for his own. And I just took great encouragement from that myself and hope that comes through to other people also. That is so good, James. And let's uh, talk about the series of visions. Uh, Just uh, feel free to take your time. It's powerful. Uh, You had several visions over uh, several days and uh, all related to one another about what is coming in the last days? Uh, share some of those visions with us. There was a central story, although in each of the, these first visions, there were different people and somewhat different settings. But in all of those, I was seeing people who were, uh, looked like they were packing to bug out. It's a popular term. They were going to bug out. So they were loading up their vehicles with their essential things. And several of them in the visions had lists, and they were checking off items in the list and trying to get, you know, really prepared to go. And then in each of the visions, the same thing happened. Someone suddenly remembered that they had an infant child in a bedroom inside the house, and they were about to drive off without the child. And so kind of embarrassed way, they ran back in, got their child, put them in a carrying pack, and and headed out. And just as they were heading toward the cars, I heard the Lord saying to them, don't forget to take the Holy Spirit. Mm. And uh, nobody had the Holy Spirit on their checklist. I, I felt like in the visions, uh, uh, the, the, the infants really represented the Holy Spirit because many people have sort of put the Holy Spirit off in an, another room and almost treated him like he's a child. And once in a while they listen, once in a while they take care of the Holy Spirit but it's not a central part of the family in the living room. 
and that the, through these visions, the Lord was uh, really focusing on, if we don't take the Holy Spirit with us, wherever we go, whatever we're enduring without the Holy Spirit, the situation is pretty hopeless. And then the visions turn into these open portals. Yes. Um, so after I had several of these visions over a period of days, I then had an open vision where I could uh, see heaven. And I was below heaven, but there were open portals into heaven. And each time I looked at one, a dark cloud would uh, move over to cover it. And then would, because sometimes the clouds were smaller than the opening, they would move around to try to block my view of the open heaven. And um, so that was, uh, that was really bothering me. And I, was, I just wanted to press through that. But then I heard the Lord saying to me, don't, be, don't let um, worry, fear, or challenges block your view of the open heaven. And I understood that's what these dark clouds really represented. So the Lord said, don't get discouraged. Don't give up. Don't quit. All these things which try to block your view of the open heaven are a deception. Don't believe it. Believe me. Believe my word. Heaven is always open. I felt so comforted by that, and I felt myself being drawn up through those portals into heaven, and then the vision would end. So I think the message to us is don't let the enemy block you. Don't let the deceptions that's so prevalent in the world today hinder your experience of the open heaven. God is still strong. God is still present, and uh, he, the heavens are still open to us. And in the midst of that, you teach in your book how to stay alert, to stay ready, to, to be a, a, a spiritual prepper. How important right now, who's ever listening to this, whatever season of their life they're in, whatever the date is, how important is it to stay alert for what's happening now and what's coming ahead? Well, as I have uh, meditated on this uh, quite a bit in the last few months, it became very clear to me that uh, this was kind of like a practice round. And people can see they weren't really prepared. They weren't really ready. And um, they needed, this is sort of like a, um, another call of the Lord. What we're going through right now is that, what is coming is going to be more devastating than this. So you really need to use the time you have to get yourself, your family, your church, your community ready for the last days. And we saw the panic that people went through in this situation with the pandemic. When I see something happening that's really unusual, I believe the Lord is in it giving us a message. I think the message in this is some of the most basic, simplistic things um, that we need for the last days we have not really stored up and prepared for. James, you had a vision of the tribulation, and it was very unique. It was very eye-opening what you had saw coming and that we have to be aware of for the future. Talk about that. So, yeah, I had this vision— um, that the Lord gave me, and uh, I was walking around uh, this area, and there was this really huge, really ancient machine, and it had all kinds of belts and pulleys. 
it was, it was the machine itself was absolutely huge, and it was obvious that it had been designed to do some kind of heavy work that people today don't really understand or have any kind of idea exactly what it was supposed to do. But it was clear that there was a high level of technology in ancient times for people to build this. And then the Holy Spirit showed me the, the message that I was to receive from this. And it was at a time that's coming when the tools that are so important to us today, the tools that we have um, developed to stay connected, to uh, do um, major things in the world, are going to come to a time when they're obsolete. Obsolete because a time is coming when the power grid will be down, Internet will be down, and all of the tools that we have are just not going to be functional like that ancient machine. And uh, we need to get over our dependency on these things if, we, if we're going to succeed in the last days. And then I had another vision on a different day, and I was in a really desolated area. There were a lot of tools around. Uh, most of them were rusted. And one section, it looked like some kind of great fire had swept through the area. and Many of the tools were melted together and were completely unusable. These tools were more uh, of a, a current period because I saw computers and smartphones and all kinds of uh, power tools, but they were useless because there was no power. And so none of these things are going to help us in the season to come. So spiritual preppers are going to plan ahead to learn ways, uh, working with the Lord, to be totally committed to following him and to be able to accomplish our purpose for the kingdom. And the only way we're going to survive or thrive during this period is we've got to have a plan. We've got to work the plan and practice the plan if we're going to be successful. I like that, and and that leads me to my next question. You really teach, and now you were in the military for many years and a chaplain in the military, and you've told me personally a lot of stories uh, that were incredible, uh, places that you've been, things that you've seen. So you know readiness. You know how to prepare, plan, train, practice. How do we—now, your book is filled with insights about this, but how do we as believers begin to— make spiritual plans and training to do those things that God's called us to do now and to be prepared for what's ahead? Well, I think uh, the Lord gave us all of these things in his uh, guidebook called the Bible. And uh, we just haven't necessarily, uh, you know, kind of drawn these things out in an organized fashion. Now, as I, I knew this before, but I was astounded once again as I was writing this book uh, to understand that how much Yeshua taught about the last days and preparing for them right in the New Testament. And when I was growing up in the church, I don't remember a pastor ever preaching on that part of the Bible. I don't remember a Sunday school teacher ever teaching that part of the Bible. It's as if we are kind of embarrassed by Jesus talking about the last days and we skip over that and move on. But I think uh, Jesus is very careful to give us the things that we need to know and understand in order to, to make a plan, to get prepared, and to train and practice. There, there's an old uh, joke that says a man on the street in New York asked someone, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? And the answer was practice, practice, practice. <laughs> right. And 
And uh, we, we understand that about voice lessons, about musical lessons, about uh, information technology. But what we haven't understood, and I think it's uh, somehow it's a, an inner choice that we make not to plan, not to prepare, stay away from these things. In one meeting where we were talking about some of these things, there was a woman who stood up in a really angry way and walked out. And as she walked out, she said, I don't want to know what the enemy is doing. I just want to live in peace and be happy and not even think about these things. And I think she expressed the attitude of a lot of people. We don't want to face up to the facts that Jesus is giving us as he teaches about the last days. But over and over and over again, he tells his people, be prepared. Time is short. Be getting ready. Be alert. Be watching. It can happen at any time. But James, if we bury our head in the sand, so to speak, we're not going to be ready, correct? We're not going to be ready. And I think this pandemic has shown that we're not ready. So the choices made by so many people were not spiritual at all. But they were making choices based on the fear and based on the flesh instead of their faith in God. And we're told over and over, and I believe that as Yeshua taught these things, he did not intend to bring his people into fear. Uh, I think he understood clearly that God does not give a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And uh, so the the answer is not to get frightened when we're reading uh, reading these things, but to get ready to be alert, to understand, and to see the simple ways the Lord has given us to make the right steps to get ready and to train and plan. Yes, sir. James, you talk a lot in your book about working together, the believers and brothers and sisters, and to prepare for the last days, we have to be in unity. And you talk about the offense trap that we have to be careful of. Talk Mm -hmm. about that for a moment. And uh, how to how to guard our hearts from that and not not fall into the trap of offense. Okay, um, the Lord led me to uh, Matthew twenty four, ten through thirteen, and this is part of Yeshua's teaching. He said, "And then many will be offended, will betray one another, will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many." And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And I I think that uh, Jesus is talking about a natural progression in the spiritual realm. That the first step is when people allow themselves to be offended. And the enemy has been so good at using this against the people of faith. And people, when they get offended, they just really become um, the exact opposite of what Jesus told us to be when he told us to love one another and that through that love, we'd be a witness to the world. And uh, as people get offended, and you can see it in Jesus' own ministry with uh, Judas, with a group of the disciples that didn't like his teaching about the body and blood, and they got offended and they went away. And often then when people get offended, they begin to betray one another. And eventually some of them will even literally hate one another. 
And we go down this road. The first step on the road is to be offended. And then we're going downhill, downhill. And then the body of Christ has become vulnerable for false prophets to rise up and to deceive a lot of people. And then comes lawlessness. And we've been through some periods of lawlessness in the world today as we see violent demonstrations in various parts of the world. And then the love of many will grow cold. I don't ever want to hear the Lord say to me, why did you let your love grow cold? We need to be fanning the flame of the Spirit in us all the time, building up the warmth of our love, caring for one another, and not let the enemy come in to the inside and deceive us and lead us down this road. And James, you've had many visitations to heaven, to the heavenly realms, and on the other side of offense and uh, fear and anxiety is the glory of heaven, the joy of heaven, the healing presence of God. Uh, you had a, uh, a visit uh, to rooms of healing and glory uh, uh, in heaven. Talk about that. Oh, this was uh, really um, an amazing experience that I had as I I uh, had been studying the Bible. I um, sang some praise songs, prayed for a little bit, and then I just got quiet in the presence of the Lord. And as I did, I felt myself being lifted up to heaven. And I saw in front of me, at first, a door. And then I noticed that as you went into the room beyond that door, there was another door on the other side leading to another room. And then I could sort of see in the distance there was another door. There was a whole series of doors. And that first door was open, and the room was full of like an amber-colored light. And on the opposite wall through the door, I could see like a powder blue light. Each room had a different color of the, the light of the glory of God. And I was standing outside with a large crowd of people, and no one was going inside. Well, I wasn't content with that. So led by the Holy Spirit, I went in the open door and entered, but no one else entered the room with me. They were just standing outside in the darkness. So I think we need to have a hunger for the presence of God, not have a fear of it, but have a hunger for it. And when the uh, door opens, let's go through the door into the presence of the Lord. The Spirit reminded me then of John 1, 5, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And I think that was what was happening with the people outside. I don't think I'm the only one, but I think this was a lesson in that experience that many people are hesitant to move with the Holy Spirit, and they miss so much because they choose to stand outside in the darkness. The first room, when I stepped through the door into the room, I immediately knew what that amber light was all about. It was a healing room. And it was not just healing for me, although I received some of that, but I began to get words of knowledge for healings for other people that I contacted later. And so I understood this to be like a room of preparing us with gifts of healings, which are going to be needed as we move into those last days. We keep each other strong and healthy and healed as a part of our mission for the Lord. 
then uh, the next room that opened up was what I called a room of preparation. And you receive help in that room to move to a higher level of glory. You know, we're going from glory to glory into the very image that God has created us to live in. And we can all use a higher level. And here was an opportunity in that room to let the Lord lift you in his glory to a higher place. And one of the things that came to me in that room being changed to another level of glory was the importance of forgiveness. Mm, that's good. And now uh, we receive it from him, and then it's our turn to give it to others. And I don't think we've done all that well in the forgiving business. But the Lord is calling us to a higher level in his service. That is so good, James. And your book covers such a wide range of ways that you can prepare spiritually, emotionally, physically uh, for what is coming in these last days. Your brand new book, Prepper's Guide to the Last Days, and you did CDs for us, which are powerful. The top 10 ways to prepare for the last days. So powerful. And another CD, God's Next Prophetic Season, which you share powerful insights about what is ahead prophetically. James, what will this book uh, do for the reader? Uh, what, what, will, what will begin a shift in their life? Well, I believe that uh, the book, uh, as it, I received the revelation from the Holy Spirit, I believe I was following His plan and not my plan. And I believe that uh, the Holy Spirit was trying to reveal through the book um, how people can begin to progress, uh, that they need to become much more um, tough in their mental abilities and to be able to stand with the Lord in the last days was going to require a lot of, of that mental toughness. And then, uh, the, you know, we do first the natural, according to Paul, and then the spiritual. So the second uh, level of that training is to become spiritually resilient or spiritually strong. And the Lord gave me kind of a step-by-step -step plan for making those things happen. And uh, so I believe that step-by-step, -step, uh, the Lord led me in that book to reveal one of the ways to plan for, train for, and practice the skills that we need for the last days. That's so good, James. And I want to mention something that you talk about in your book that is so good. You talk about travel light and let go of extra baggage. Um, I yeah. mean, I think everybody already uh, is going to know what that means. But what, what are you saying in the book? Well, uh, one of the things I didn't share in the book was a, a vision that I had. And um, I was climbing a mountain on this really, really nice path. And I suddenly came to a barrier. And the barrier uh, had a sign on it, and it said, uh, no baggage beyond this point. <laughs> and uh, I looked off to the side, and there were several bags that had been discarded. I don't know what was in them, but they were there. And then I realized that I was carrying baggage. And, um, you know, the first tendency, I think human tendency, is we want to hold on to our baggage. But it didn't take me but a few seconds to realize I really need to let this stuff go. And so I dropped the bag, and I felt so light. And climbing up that hill became so easy that I understood that the Lord was calling us to leave those things behind that hinder us so that we're able to move with him in the glory. And uh, even when he sent the disciples out on their missionary journey, he told them, don't take anything with you. 
no baggage. So um, the, the Lord revealed to me um, five things that we need to unload. And so in the book, we kind of go through step by step how you do that. How do you get rid of these things? The first thing was to unload man-made doctrine. And I think we're all loaded down with man-made doctrine. I hear, hear people say, you know, they're they're set free from the law, but then they create another one that's more strict than the first one. And we're, we tend to be lawmaking people and set up new kinds of rules. And what we need to do is set all of those things aside and go with the sound doctrine of Yeshua. And I, uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 3 and 4, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. I think this is so true of the body. If we're not alert and intentional about avoiding man-made doctrines, we will all get caught up in them. James, give us one more piece of baggage that we can let go. Well, one that uh, I... uh, prayed about and studied a lot was unloading unhealthy soul ties. Mm. And uh, you just can't be tied in the soul to other things and move with the Lord. And I had to deal with that so much in ministry, but I noticed in the Bible that King Jehoshaphat made an unholy soul tie with Ahab by uh, marrying into that family. And because he had done that, he experienced a lot of pain in his life and in, in his kingship. And then I saw that in a time of Nehemiah that many of the people had made soul ties with the enemies of the Jewish people and had married into the families of the enemies and were constantly uh, doing harm to the ministry. So uh, we hear a lot about unholy soul ties, and some people say, where's that in the Bible? Well, here are two examples. There are many more in the Bible. We need to get free from anything that binds us to people who are against the kingdom of God. We need to be set free, and the Lord will help us to do that every time. Now, James, you talk about something in your book that's that's very, very important to everybody listening that we all need to do if we're going to become spiritual preppers for these last days, and that's the fact that we have to forget the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's one that I think is so important, and uh, it's very difficult for people to see how they can do this. It's very difficult for people uh, to even begin the process. So as a result, they just keep holding on to the past. I've seen people that actually, the way they talk, it sounds like they made a little altar and put all their past pains and all of their past uh, offenses and all of those things on this altar And it's almost like they're worshiping around the past pain. And you can't look forward. You can't move forward as long as you're tied to these things. So we let go of them, but then we need to go a step further. We need to forget them. And so how can we do that? Well, we're all created in the image of God. And God said over and over that he made a choice. He said their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. So if one of the traits of God is to forget, to choose to forget and forget, then we should also be like him and begin to choose, forget about the feelings. We don't go by our feelings. We go by our faith. Choose to forget the things of the past. Every time they come up, just stop it. 
do something to stop it and then move forward with the positive things of the gospel. And James, you talk about how you personally have used the enemy's own tricks against him. Yeah, I was. Um, I went through a period of time when I was doing a lot of introspection, and I wasn't doing it uh, the way that the Lord would have us do it. And I kept going over and over and over mistakes that I made, things that had happened, what I had failed to accomplish. And then I realized, hey, this isn't from the Lord. If it's not from him, who's it from? <laughs> if it's not from the Lord, it's from the enemy. And so I just sort of said, hey, wait a minute. Let's talk about your past. You were one of the morning stars giving praise in front of the Father. Then you made the dumbest mistake in history by thinking you could replace him. Now let's talk about your present. You have no worthwhile purpose in all of eternity. Now let's look at your future in the lake of fire. And uh, suddenly I was aware he wasn't there anymore. He didn't stand around to receive back what he was giving to me. So I, I practiced that for a little while till I got through this uh, period and could move on and choose to forget those things of the past. And there's so many things, James, that people deal with in their past, you know, because people, they've been through so much. And I have a feeling that people are carrying so much of that baggage and they are not sure how to let it go. And you said, of course, you remind the devil and, uh, you know, hey, you know, your your end is near. Uh, so, you know, just know that. But on the other hand, what what is a practical way? Because I feel that somebody is still hanging on there, but you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what's been done to me. How can they make right. that step to to begin to let that go? Well, I think that, first of all, is to realize that that's not really helping. That's not really holy. That's not really an, a righteous way of doing things. The enemy would have us think that these are all the right things to do, but it's not the biblical way of dealing things. I had a, um, a visit in heaven, and I was standing next to Yeshua, and he was looking at a group of people on the earth, and they were all in a big worship center, and they were on their knees, and they were crying out, and they were confessing, and they went on and on and on and on. Every once in a while, he would start to interrupt, but they just kept on going. And I, I said to him, Lord, I, I thought you said that you forgot all those things. And he said, well, I'm trying, but they keep reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> and so sometimes we're actually blocking the good thing the Lord wants to do for us by constantly reminding him of things that he has already forgiven and forgotten. And once we realize that's what we're doing, we then see that we have a choice. We don't have to do that. We confess the things that are current, the things that we're sorry for, but we don't keep digging up the old garbage of the past and laying it out in front of Jesus over and over and over again. To me, that's not a prayer of faith. That's a lack of faith. And when we realize that we're showing the Lord we don't trust him to forgive and forget by constantly bringing them up and repenting of them again, the Lord is not pleased because we're not showing faith in him and his promises. And so if, as we grasp these promises of the Lord, and and I'm writing a series of books on the promises of God, and the promises of God, you know, I, I, was, uh, I had a vision, and people were crying out like that, and the Lord said, my people are not praying correctly. 
they're begging me to do what I've already promised to do. There's no faith in a prayer like that. So we've got to quit begging God to do the things he's already promised to do. We need to believe them, receive them, activate them, and move forward in our destiny for the kingdom. And James, you talk about, speaking of faith and trust, that faith, you have to have faith plus preparation as we prep for the last days. Where does faith and and doing practical uh, things spiritually, emotionally, and all that, uh, where do those things intertwine? I think the, the probably the best textbook on that is the book of James in the Bible. And he, he makes those comparisons back and forth about faith versus works. And there are many people who deny uh, any works are needed and only faith is needed. And some are pushing for faith, uh, for works still. And so James is saying, if you uh, show, I will show you my faith by my works that all of these things go hand in hand. So we have faith that God will take care of us in the future, but we don't just stop working and sit and expect somebody else to take care of us. We also prepare. And I think the Holy Spirit doesn't really bless laziness, and he doesn't bless people for doing nothing. Now, someone else may have a different uh, word from the Lord for that. That's okay, but this is the word that I have that uh, we need to have faith, but we also need to be doing the things that prepare us for the last days. And the reason I believe that so strongly is because Jesus taught about it so much in the Gospels. And James, this is so good. Uh, You're really inspiring me and others at home how you can learn to be prepared in your spirit, in your body, in your emotions, in your heart. Because I see it clearly, James, especially after your book, that things are going to happen. The Bible makes it clear. And as a Christian, we want to be ready for what's ahead. I don't want to be taken off guard. The Bible talks about that. Don't be taken off guard. Stay alert. Watch and pray. And your book really clearly lays that out, how to do that. And uh, we just have a few more minutes. I want to talk about just a couple more things. Even in the season of preparation, God wants to bless you, you teach, James. So in the, in the hard times, you can be a blessing to others. Yes. Amen. So uh, I believe, you know, all the way back from the times of Abraham and Genesis 12, God has made it clear, I'll bless you so that you can be a blessing. And uh, if we are not a blessing to other people, we are actually blocking our own blessing flow. You can't just take in blessings and not release them to others. It just doesn't work. That's not how things work in the spiritual realm. So God wants to bless you. And I hear so many people that have what they call the desert theology, and they're expecting bad things. And they almost uh, enjoy, it seems like, bad things because it proves somehow that they're being faithful to the Lord. And God bless them if that's what the Lord is saying to them. But to me, I believe that God wants to bless me. I believe that God does bless me. He blesses me in so many ways each and every day. And I I spend a lot of time every day just thanking him, even for simple things. Even if he didn't do it personally, I'd rather err by giving too much credit than too little. So I thank him all day for the blessings. And it just seems like that as I live that way, the Lord opens up the flow of more and more blessings. And uh, it's always with the understanding that I don't just receive things for me, I receive them for others. So I went through a period of time of sowing and 
the Lord started us uh, sowing $1,000 seeds to some people. Now, this was just a, an incredible time. So all of a sudden, he would give us another $1,000 that we didn't expect. So we didn't think that was our money. We thought that was money to sow. So we sowed the $1,000. And then he gave us 1000 again. And it just kept going for a while. And then the Lord told me to divide it up and give 500 to one person and 500 to another. And I said, okay, Lord. And I did. And a woman walked up to me and she had two envelopes and she said, I don't know why, but the Lord told me to give you this. And she gave me one envelope with 500 and another with 500. <laughs> See, I don't think that those blessings were coming to me because I'm special or anything. They came because the Lord trusted me to bless someone else with them. And I think a lot of times we block our blessing flow by not following through and blessing others. And it's not, it's not about money. But there are so many different ways we can spend time with people. We can pray for people. We can walk through them during the time in a dark valley. We can uh, give them an encouraging word. We, there are so many different ways that we can bless other people. And when we do, it opens the blessing flow for us. Amen. And I, I believe that if we learn those principles now, James, when hard times do come, we'll be prepared. We We won't be... Uh, those type of Christians that are like, give me, give me, give me. Uh, I need, I need. We're going to be, I. who can I bless? Who can I mm-hmm. touch? Who can I reach? And I, and I love that. We have just another moment. And uh, just briefly, if you could talk about uh, the oil that is needed in our lives as, as believers uh, in this hour, you talk in your book about the oil of gladness, the oil of anointing, the oil of healing, the oil of joy, the oil of readiness. And I love this, how we need to be filled up with this oil, this supernatural oil, as we prep for these last days. If you could just touch on one of those, that would be awesome. Okay, this really came out of the parable of the ten virgins. And the Lord used that parable to talk about readiness. And there were five that were wise and five that were foolish. And I thought it was interesting that all ten of them were asleep when, when the bridegroom came. But five of them had a supply that they could uh, put into their lamps and be ready to go in with the bridegroom. I believe that when Jesus gave these parables, they were on multiple levels. And uh, one level, the people heard the story, and they said, yeah, yeah, nice story about a wedding. And then there uh, were people who understood the spiritual dimension of that. But I, I started thinking about that, and the five wise virgins with oil— now, obviously, the oil was for a lamp, but I got to thinking, now, five, that's a very special number um, and prophetically. And so I began to, to say that there's a deeper teaching in this, that if we're prepared for the coming of, of Yeshua, if we're prepared for the Messianic age, then we should have our oil prepared and ready. And I saw in the Bible these five different types of oil. And uh, I just, um, I enjoy kind of going through those and thinking about them as something that's a deeper lesson in that parable than the surface message. But one of them is the oil of readiness. I think the oil of readiness speaks about the wedding supper of the Lamb. And there were several things in here uh, as I was studying this, the Lord was giving me about the wedding supper of the Lamb. And I had a vision And in the vision, I kind of had my head lowered, and I was looking kind of down, and someone put a plate of really delicious-looking food in my hands. 
And I was kind of surprised by that, and I was even more surprised when I looked up and saw that it was Yeshua who put the plate in my hands. And then as I had raised my hands to see him, I looked around, and I was in a great banquet room. The table was set. The guests were arriving. The food was being delivered. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, blessed are those who come to the wedding feast to the Lamb. And I believe that that oil of readiness that one of the virgins had, readiness for her to move into the wedding ceremony, was um, speaking of our readiness to move into that last great supper of the Lamb. And I was so full of joy, so full of happiness to have been invited to that wedding feast. So good, James. And I and I feel the presence of the Lord so strong right now. If you would please uh, pray for the people at home, whatever's on your heart. Well, Father God, I just pray today for everyone who hears this, that you will break off any spirit of fear and replace it with power, love, and soundness of mind. I pray, Lord, that there's any hesitancy in anyone to get involved in prepping for your return. Lord, that you would just break that resistance off of them, set them free, and help them to see that it's not a drudgery to prepare. It's a joy because each step of the way, you remove our burdens, you set us free, you fill us with joy, you heal us, you anoint us. And Lord, I just pray you would release these things to everyone who is hearing my voice right now. Release these things into their hearts, their minds, Lord, and turn them toward Yeshua with joyous expectation of his return and with a sure knowledge that every step of the way he will be with us to provide and care for us. And we joyously give him praise, glory, and majesty now and forever in the mighty name of Yeshua, HaMashiach. Amen and amen. Amen. And you've been listening to Messianic Vision with our guest, James Durham. And now here's Sid to tell you how you can get this special resource. James Durham wants you prepared and equipped in every area of your life for what's coming in these last days. God called James to write his new book, A Prepper's Guide to the Last Days, to help you be spiritually prepped, fit for what is coming in the future. Now is the time to build your spiritual muscle for the coming days. James also recorded an exclusive two-CD set entitled Top 10 Ways to Prepare for the Last Days, where he helps to equip and impart to you those things that God is asking of you in this hour. James also recorded an exclusive CD entitled God's Next Prophetic Season, where he not only reveals what's coming next on God's prophetic timeline, but how you can encounter the heavenly realms for yourself. Call now for James' brand new book, A Prepper's Guide to the Last Days, his exclusive two CD set, Top 10 Ways to Prepare for the Last Days, and his exclusive CD, God's Next Prophetic Move, for an investment of 35 U.S. dollars. James Durham's brand new book, A Prepper's Guide to the Last Days, his exclusive two CD set, Top 10 Ways to Prepare for the Last Days, and his exclusive CD, God's Next Prophetic Season. 
offer number 9698 for an investment of 35 US dollars. To order, call 1-800-447-2697. Once again, that's 1-800-447-2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. Be sure to ask for offer number 9698. Once again, that's offer number 9698.